0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley again. Barkley. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Giants.
0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump and with me as always is mike the cranky fam what's going on mike
1: oh grump how you doing i just uh i survived my 24 hours of hell post booster shot i'm feeling a lot better now um we give a shout out to our boy bobby skinner for talking giants hope he's feeling better i uh i was i heard that you were uh you're a guest host in his uh in his absence congrats
0: i yeah i actually literally just finished um going live on youtube for that which was fun awesome got to hang out with justin and danny king as well um so if you guys haven't seen that episode yet and you're planning on watching that right after that you will just be getting more of me unfortunately
1: wow there's no vaccine that can prevent any ill effects from that that yeah. double shot of the grump jeez. Yeah.
0: <laughs> scary it's a one-two punch of me ugh um, I, I also found out that uh, because you know my, my handle of football grump, a bunch of people thought that I was like 65 years old and just like grouchy. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> well, just... Makes... Try having a name, the cranky fan. See how that, yeah. that, that on the end world. But you know something, Grump? I would much rather watch two back-to-back broadcasts of your face than what we have to do on Sunday is watch the New York football giants play yeah. a football game.
0: It's like watching a fish grow legs. Your transition game over the years is just magical. That was it, that was perfect. That right there, that's what you want to see. Like, you know, rookie to second season to third season. You're like a vet now. This is great.
1: Put that on my reel,
0: Will Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty good. But uh it
1: doesn't hide the fact that we still have to watch them, unfortunately. And yeah. uh I was thinking about um why. i know know we you know we a we do this show and we we want to talk about it obviously that's what we do and b where we are we are classified as diehard fans you know i've been a giant fan for 40 years you've been a giant fan for what feels like 40 years for you and uh you're stuck i mean this is this is the team we are we even you know it's it's like it's a marriage you don't get divorced
0: you don't lose your team and
1: Other than that, I really can't think of a reason why we're watching this Sunday. Can you try to help me out?
0: Uh, Well, yeah. So we're going to go through this game, Okay, We're going to go through this game the way we usually do, but really briefly. I mean, at this point, we're looking at and we're going to go through the whole thing. The organization is at a critical point right now where it might fall off a cliff. Um, And so at this point, you know, we're a Giants podcast and the season is important, but – the most important thing is the Giants, and we're not winning any Super Bowls this year, and it looks like next year is in peril. So it's important we talk about the future. So we're gonna go through the next three games, uh, four games, uh, the way we normally would, but really briefly, and we're gonna kind of talk about the the young guys, the guys in that a- we we're hoping to build a, a, a team around.
1: Yeah, in a larger context of like you know, you know, I don't, I, I honestly don't believe that. Any individual game going forward makes that much of a difference on what decisions will be made in the offseason. Like Dave Gettleman's job is not saved if they beat the Cowboys in two weeks. Or Joe Judge is not on any sort of hot seat if they, you know, they beat Philly coming up or something or or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just we kind of know what we are at this point and we're kind of playing this out, but we have to focus on what pieces are relevant going forward and not worry about noise like complaining about nate Solder is a waste of time because he's not going to be here anymore and it's just we're playing out the string with him but we're going to talk in a a couple segments about guys that we are going to focus on really going forward that are not just here playing out the string these are guys that are going to be building blocks to a team that hopefully will be on another rebuild again so we're going to that's that's going to be our kind of our mission for these next couple weeks it's like yeah we want to win these games yeah we kind of sort of paying attention but it's really big picture view and it sucks that we have to do this every friggin' year but such is the fate of being a giant fan
0: the Giants franchise is a lot like my car and you know where it's just like something is horribly wrong with it and I bring it to the mechanic and he's just like he fixes it kind of and he's like take care of this and I'm like I will and then like six months later I'm back at the mechanic with another critical issue with my car
1: yeah so because you forget to change the oil, or you forget uh, yeah. to
0: do anything. Yeah. Because I'm a bad owner. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that that, that honestly was sh- not a shot at the Maris. <laughs> um, that was that was more of a I'm in control of this thing, and I'm doing a bad job of controlling it, which is a general statement to a number of people in the organization. But I mean, I, that was actually like. That was like I had Jimmy Fallon write that for me, or something. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna take that as as a shot of a bad owner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so you know it's gonna come up a couple times while we talk about the general things for this matchup, the the future guys as they are relevant to what we're talking about. But the most important thing for this whole week right now is a critical thing for the whole organization, in that today, Thursday, Paul Schwartz wrote a piece for the New York Post regarding Daniel Jones's neck injury. And it was not just suggested, it was explicitly stated that the injury is involves structural damage to a neck bone and was sustained against the Buccaneers, not the Eagles as what was previously reported. And that started a complete firestorm, which is completely warranted in my opinion if – You know, and not necessarily at judge, but the medical staff cleared him. You know all this stuff, and they they let him play with this. And but also like I don't know what that means. Structural damage to a bone in the neck sounds really scary, but it also sounds like a, a media word. And you know, Giants fans were reminded of David Wilson. And after all of this, it came out that that was categorically untrue, and he did not sustain the injury against the Bucks. I guess, but like, how do you screw that up? I wanna know like seriously, from your point of view, like how does a reporter just get the whole crux of what would made his piece interesting wrong? Is it just a bad source? Well, I think it's
1: doesn't mean he's necessarily completely wrong.
0: Yeah, that's kinda. Of I, what I'm I, I, I of. think
1: I think there's usually some smoke. It may not be the entire story is one hundred percent accurate, but I think that the gist of what he was trying to say may be true. Because these guys, again, we're not talking about you know reporters from the National Enquirer. We're not talking about guys, you know, from some. This is not your crazy uncle reading something on Facebook that some lunatic put out there. These guys are credible writers, and they know that access and getting information is really qualified on the fact of being accurate and truthful. You know that they start burning. You know, their sources by saying inaccurate things. They lose credibility. They lose access to information and they're
0: irrelevant. You lose press credentials. I mean, the Jets reporter, I mean, he's obviously a jerk off and and followed around the owner's son, but, or or the GM's son or whoever it was. But you can lose press credentials. And I I mean, mean, Joe Judge was pretty pissed about this.
1: It comes down to Occam's razor, you know, the theory that the most logical reason is usually the right reason. What makes more logical sense? a reporter told a false story to get a couple of clicks who's in a major newspaper, one of the major beat writers of this team or a franchise, a head coach, an organization that is desperate. You know, desperate for wins, desperate for credibility. Desperate, you know, people on the hot seat they could lose their jobs that will do anything to try to win. And you can say what you want about Daniel Jones, you know, whether you think he's a long-term solution, the short-term solution, whatever. The best chance that the 2021 New York football giants in week 14 have to win is with Daniel Jones playing quarterback. And would they trot him out there against their better judgment? You know, if this is something that's going to impact him three, four, five years down the line and they're, the GM, the current one, is not here any longer, the head coach is not here any longer, do you think that matters to them? Probably not. So to me, the more logical explanation is there is something wrong with him and maybe not to the extent of what was reported, but there is something. That seems more logical to me than a guy making up a story and that's just that's my opinion.
0: Yeah, I don't think he made up the story. I think maybe some of his facts might not, not be totally correct, but I, I agree with you. If there's smoke, there's usually some kind of fire, the size of which – is up for debate. I don't really know. Um, I don't want to – I don't know. I don't want to speculate but I'm also not willing to just throw the whole story out. Um,
1: I mean now the Giants are not – they're not a laughingstock organization. I mean they're a laughingstock in many ways but they're not the type that – they're not like the Knicks for example. They're not like the Dolans where these outlandish stories come out and they do these ridiculous things with the media to try to you know, get them to – print their stories, and they're not throwing out people that are not on their kind of uh, if they're not with us, they're against us type of thing, so the Giants have more credibility than that, than say the Giants than the than the Knicks do, or Madison Square Garden but I don't know, I mean again, it, it just seems to me like something is up and for a story like this to come out of nowhere that's completely false uh, I think there's something there
0: Especially with the ambiguity about the the severity of it anyway i mean like they refuse to say it's season ending there's only four games left and he's week to week and i dude i i don't know the whole thing feels like it's veiled in secrecy and little bits are coming out and well, yeah I, I don't know joe
1: judge and joe judge comes from the
0: that you know Patriots, the bill belichick yeah. school
1: of a uh, cone of silence you know, we're not telling you anything. We're not giving you access to anything. You know, everything has to you know, tight-lipped. You no, know, this that conspiracy theory. Just you know, I, I don't want anything getting out to give the other team an edge. And um, you know, sometimes it just sometimes it's just better to just be honest and tell the truth. You know, what difference does it really? You, th- you think that the Chargers or the Cowboys or the Redskins, sorry, the Washington Football Team. It's going to change the way they're going to prepare right now. For like, just being honest with what the story is with this guy, very doubtful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think most of the teams are, are taking some time off whenever they're playing us. To be honest with you, I mean, it. it <laughs> I don't know. Like it depends on the team, right? Like, okay, we're going to get into this Chargers game, but you promise? <laughs> yeah, but okay. So let's let's get into it. Do they? Do the Chargers play defensively? any different with Daniel Jones in here or not? Absolutely, right? Um, Absolutely. So I, I do think to a certain extent, yes. They, they they kind of are paying attention a little bit, especially teams like the Chargers who are but kind of, re- they're re- just as this. easily in or out of the playoffs. So.
1: But let me rephrase this then. Maybe not Maurice about the Chargers, are they going to game plan a little differently? If you say right now he's week to week versus he's going to be out for three to four weeks, is... The Washington football team in week 18 right now worrying about the Giants and their situation. So that's what I mean about being a little more forthright about his situation. I mean playing the game of leaving him guessing every single week, I don't know what you're, you're getting out of that other than losing credibility where I don't think a team three, four weeks down the line is wasting one second worrying about it right now. They'll worry about it in that week. So that to me, it's just
0: like be a little more forthright of what you are. The other thing to throw into this is that Jones is going around and getting second opinions. It sounds more like he doesn't like the Giants' diagnosis. you know what I mean? So, I, well, I mean
1: – You take that two ways. One, he doesn't trust his you know, medical staff and that could be a big concern. I mean if, mm-hmm. if you guys are NBA fans, you know Kawhi Leonard left Toronto partly because he didn't trust – the medical opinions he was getting, and he, he not free agent. No,
0: Washington had the same thing with Trent Williams.
1: Exactly. So that's a, that's a, a, a trust issue because, you know, we're all assuming the decision is: Will the Giants pick up the option? Will they make him the franchise quarterback for the next ten years? Will they pay all this money? But you know something, Daniel Jones at some point will be a free agent, and if he doesn't trust this medical staff, doesn't trust this front office, doesn't trust this ownership. He's going to get the hell out of here as fast as he can also. I mean it's not a foregone conclusion that it's our call what we're doing with this guy or not. It's still too early to tell what his long-term future is. But you don't want to have that lack of trust between franchise player – and I mean that in like lowercase F. But the quarterback of your team is your franchise player, whether good or bad he is, and the suits. And that's a problem.
0: The bigger problem is that Jones' backup is Mike Glennon, and he's got a concussion. And on top of that, his backup is Jake Fromm. Who's Jake Fromm? (laughs) Who's Jake Fromm, and quarterback coach Jerry Szaplinski has COVID. So he can't even get his backups. I mean, this is an actual disaster scenario. This is about as close to what happened to the Broncos last year as you can get without really being in a true COVID year. You know what I mean? What
1: if, what if Rom gets hurt? Because remember, we're playing with a very bad offensive line. I don't what think
0: if, we could possibly forget. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, well, in that scenario, if he gets hurt, you know.
0: the worky has to be activated. I,
1: I, I, you know, we just saw a game last Monday night where the Patriots threw the ball three times. You might see that again. <laughs> and be the no difference is that we
0: can't run either
1: right and it, it won't be 50 mile an hour winds as like an excuse why to do it I mean if it you know if From, I, I just can't possibly see how a guy like him is ready to play with live bullets you know whizzing around
0: his head I, I can't it's not I, even I, that dude it's the it's combo of everything I mean if he yeah. if he had a whole summer with this organization if he had to jump in I would feel very very badly about it he's, but he doesn't even right. have he has like six days you know what I mean yeah. to learn to, this isn't Peyton Manning level of cerebral, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, I, I don't even know and, what to, and, at that point, you might just start punting on third down.
1: And let's, and let's kind of parse where this frustration is. This is not a, well, how come Gettleman didn't have a four string quarterback? Oh, no, no, up? no, no,
0: no, no, not but that. But
1: you know, so I think some people who are just going down that road, and again, we're all much pretty assuming Gettleman is gone anyway, but you know. Don't misplace your anger. There's plenty of things in this organization to be angry about, but this is something. This is just unfortunate and bad luck, you know. To have your 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 starting quarterback, your backup quarterback out. I mean, no team prepares for a third string quarterback to play. Third string quarterbacks are here to be scout team quarterbacks to take reps in practice. That's why they're here.
0: Yes, Um, I think you can. I mean, I, I think people will point fingers at um, the injuries are due to not paying any attention to the offensive line this off season um, and letting it remain the way it is and staying confident, and, confident in what we had. And that's fair. Uh, that's fair. It's also maybe you know people are critical of just the jones pick in general because they don't like guys who run around a lot or just don't think he protects himself i well, to that, me that to mean, me the blame can be th- the blame for me goes everywhere i mean you can blame the gm for ignoring the offensive line gm coaching staff whoever's responsible for making that call you can blame the offensive coordinator for installing uh, an offense that relies so heavily on his athletic ability you can blame most importantly the players it's on daniel jones to learn to slide it's on the offensive line to block you know what i mean they're all nfl players they're professionals you know i know that they're not that great but i mean
1: do your job. Yeah.
0: I mean at a certain point, it's their job to block people. It's Daniel Jones' job to protect himself. He, there's lo- rules written into the book to do that for you. Um, so, I mean, to me, the blame goes in all three directions and it just kind of dissipates. Where it's just like – at,
1: at this point now, it, it's comical. And it's not even a blame game anymore. It's just like, <laughs> now what? The exactly. Other, yeah. It, it's, it's almost like the theater is absurd at this point. It's not – I can't blame any specific person because we're down to our third-string quarterback when – We're down to these things. It's just – it is what it is at this point until this season is over when you can start making – there's nothing you could do about it now. That's the problem. That's the frustration that a lot of Giant fans have and the frustration I have. And I I understand that, but there's nothing I can do about it. Until you can start upgrading this roster, until you can start upgrading this coaching staff, this is it. This is your team. It sucks. But we just have to get through these next four games without – our players getting killed and us killing ourselves?
0: Yeah, we're like one degree of absurdity away from license plate guy playing running back for us or something. You know, Um, (laughs) but but speaking so, Giants are actually getting some good news on the injury front despite all of that. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I I had I don't know what my expectations were from you know based on the way he got hurt. He just kind of I don't know. It looked like he got hurt torquing his body in the middle of the game. He he never came back. I don't think. I wasn't feeling really optimistic. It looks like he's going to play. Barkley has kind of a bum ankle. He's going to continue to play. Uh, Looks like Shepard is uh, on track to play as well. Tony and Adoree Jackson are the two that look like they are much less likely. I think Adoree Jackson might already be ruled out. But Tony, I think, is a doubtful at this point. Um, Was doing some work on the side today. Um, You know, that's a lot more guys back this week than I expected.
1: That's true, but you know, again, without having a quarterback, does it really matter? Like, guys, well, it's, like- it is.
0: As of right now, I'm not. I'm not going to be optimistic about Mike Glennon playing until they say he's playing. But only because of the way the concussion protocol is structured. I mean, it's structured very much on, let's see how you are in the morning. So until it's Sunday morning and he's fine, I'm going to feel uneasy about him playing. But they have said he's on track to play Sunday as well. OK. Well, I mean, again, it's still Mike Glennon, so it's it's not <laughs> as if coming. it's yeah. –
1: It's not Tom Brady coming out all of a sudden. Like, OK, good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, on the flip side, the Chargers have some pretty brutal news to deal with. Uh, they, they have serious problems at corner right now. Asante Samuel Jr. has uh, a concussion. He is working his way through the protocol. But, I mean, that's that's a tough one to deal with. They're very thin behind – their two starters their other start chris harris jr is in covid protocol right now um so he has to test negative again in order to play he still can but they have they have serious problems because there's not much behind those two guys which leaves just two very good safeties in Adderley and derwin james but but really nothing at corner at all and that's with us getting our receivers back like oh my god we might actually have a shot at this game um Additionally, they're without Keenan Allen. He is the one who actually has COVID. Mike Williams is in the protocol as well. Uh, He has to test negative in order to play. They may not have any wide receivers for this game. I mean, they're in a pretty, pretty tough spot. Um, It's actually annoying that we're dealing with this Daniel Jones thing right now. Like, (laughs) this is actually, like, stupid. Like, at this point, like, this is frustrating. Um so, I mean, there's that. Um, two former Giants, Kyler Fackrell and Linville Joseph on defense playing against us. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, Linzo, Linville Joseph might have been Jerry Reese's best pick. I mean, it's sure. kind of alarming how long he's been in the league for a defensive tackle as big as him.
1: Well, he was one of those guys you knew we were never going to be able to re-sign him for you know cap reasons and everything. Yeah. and It's too yeah. bad because... He would, have been, he would have been nicer in the book of his career. Who we went to he, Minnesota after us, right?
0: Yeah, and he stayed a monster there the whole time, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the Giants on defense because they're going up against Justin Herbert, who is having a lightning season. Um, to me, though, as good as he's been, he's still young, and that plays right into what Patrick Graham does best, is fool young QBs or at least – at least get them to hesitate long enough to either make a mistake or hold on to the ball too long. Um, Justin Herbert is kind of that guy who will hesitate too. I mean think just even naturally it's something he's got to get a little bit better at. Um, I'm more worried about their run game. Our run defense isn't very good and they will lean on it. They have Austin Eckler, who's a very, very good running back. They also have two other guys that are very good. I mean, they'll rotate on it, and it doesn't matter if it's not working. They will lean on it until it starts working, and we saw that with them over time. And we, yeah, I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna win this game, they have to be aggressive on defense. Because Herbert will pick apart just casual zone. They need to play the receivers tighter, especially at the line of scrimmage. They can't leave the flats wide open for guys like Eckler and Jared Cook to catch passes out there like they have been doing whenever they drop a bunch of guys in the coverage. And they have to stop the run. Because and, – and I know that like maybe our podcast talks about the run game more than most others – there are just some teams that lean on it, and it, it will kill us because it's going to be a close game. You can't fall behind and let them be able to bleed the clock. We're not good enough. We're not a point scoring offense, so we can't let the other team dictate the clock.
1: Wait a minute. You just think that you just kind of slip. You think this is gonna be a close game?
0: If no, no, no. I don't. I, I to, not to <laughs> skip to the predictions, but if you're trying to win, you're not going to be blowing this game out as oh, yeah, a team. They- we're not a, a point scoring team, so stopping the run and preventing preventing them from dictating the pace of the game has to be priority number one for every game so, so think, I'm just explaining why stopping the run is so important for our podcast and this team this year and not necessarily a general philosophy
1: so then going back to the offense for a second and you were talking about you know pace of game is it safe to say we're going to see a lot more of what we saw last week of a lot of you know things like play clock going down to one before we're snapping the ball you know Obviously a heavy run game because you know we, we just don't trust Jake Fromm to throw or even a woozy Mike Lennon if he's going to play for some reason. Um, so the only chance really to win this game is just to bleed it out and just maximize how long we have possession of the ball.
0: Um, you know, Preventing the other team from dictating the pace of the game doesn't necessarily follow dictating the pace of the game yourself. Um, so I don't think you necessarily have to – have to be able to run the ball if, you know, stopping them from running the ball was, is very important. Uh, in this game, though, it happens to be, um, it, you know, because of the quarterback problems, you know, etc. On top of that, though, I mean, they're not really good at stopping the run. Linville Joseph is a monster, but he's a little banged up. You have guys like Joey Bosa who are just more like pass rushers. Not that he's bad in the run, but it's just... More who they are. They're not very good at, pass, at stopping the run. Uh, the numbers show it. They rank pretty lowly you know. there. Um, I, uh, I'm i also really trying to hone in on, and we can expand this a little bit here into general talk about who the guys are that we're going to try and watch in this game. But to segue that one kind of nicely, we're talking about the run game here. Last week we saw Matt Skrra got benched for Ben Bredesen. Um, ben Bredesen is somebody that we traded assets for. Uh, I believe a fourth-round pick for Bredesen and a fifth. Um, that's important stuff. You know, we went and traded down in this draft to get Kadarius Tony and a first-round pick. Like, it's clear that they were loading up on draft capital. So to throw some of it away at an offensive lineman, you know, that means something for this organization's idea of the future. Um, and Ben Bredesen was a guy who had some irregularities in his past sets coming out of college. You know, he had some a little bit of trouble with his anchor. His hand placement's a little weird. But what he was good at and what he's supposed to be good at coming out of college was power run blocking. Now, you throw him up next to Andrew Thomas on that left side, our only good offensive lineman. My hope here is that Ben Bredesen shows us some life at least in the run game, and we just run Barkley to that left side. That's my hope here because, it you know, you're trying to work Bredesen into what you're trying to do for the offensive line. You hope you've got something in him. That's our our shining hope is that we don't have to replace four offensive linemen in this year. Bredesen's well, not that even, guy.
1: <laughs> and even Barkley, I mean, even a guy like Booker. who
0: Sure, Booker too. Who yeah, runs
1: better between the tackles, very honestly, than Barkley does too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in this game, you know, I'm looking at zeroing in on continue to watch Andrew Thomas' development, right? He might be the best guy we have on offense. I don't know. I mean, sure, Galladay and Tony are, are, are special guys, but the numbers aren't really showing that they're great.
1: Yeah, so. I, I would. Even what we've seen in Galladay, have you seen anything to say to him that guy's special?
0: Well, like, I mean nothing about this offense has ever looked special. Right.
1: I mean he's even when he's been healthy and you know he's seen very average. You know I you watch more film than I do. Does he get as much separation as you were hoping for?
0: I mean he gets what I thought he would, but that's not that's not his game. His game is that despite he is golden tape but with the with the attributes for golden Tate. You know what I mean? He is gigantic. He's got great big arms, and he uses his body really well to box out and just high points the ball really well. He's not a separation guy, but we see that. I mean, even last week, he was catching balls. He wasn't wide open. He doesn't need to be. That's not him. The guys who get separation are your Shepherds and Tonys, that on this roster. And I think that they do get separation, those two guys. It's, it's just it, we it haven't is, run, we haven't run anything special on this offense and some of it's the game planning, some of it's the play calling and some of it quite frankly is player execution because it never really looks like any play has 11 guys doing the right fucking thing. I'm gonna be honest and that's a sad state of affairs in week 14.
1: Very very. Um, I'm looking at you're talking about you know, guys to watch for. I'm looking at at this point now because this is a lost season and you know if we win this game great if not it's expected. I'm looking at guys that to me I'm gonna start focusing in more on who is actually gonna be a piece on this franchise in the future. Like right. you know something, even a guy like Galladay, it's like I'm not gonna focus in on so much because is he a long term answer on this team? No. I mean to me the answers are it's obvious. I wanna see Andrew Thomas become, you know, take it to the next level. I want to see him become a little better run blocker over time. Kadarius Tony, I want that guy to get healthy and I want to see what he really can do as a very dangerous X-Factor type of guy in an offense. Uh, you know, Aziz Alari, I want to see guys like him on the defense continue to grow. These are guys who are going to be with us for a while. They're going to, you know, a new GM comes in here and they're going to, you know, rebuild this whole team. But these are the guys, the foundational going forward. So to me, it's just like, I want to start watching these guys and see their development week over week. So, you know, as we get into the off season, I get more and more excited about some of these foundational pieces because, you know, again, when we talk about a guy like Galladay, it's like, okay, great, but you know, he might get thrown out with the bathwater, you know, in a, in a in a salary cap purge, you know, if not next year, the year after, he's not a long term answer. He was brought in to be a solution for twenty twenty one to get this team into the playoffs, and that's not going to happen. Uh, so that's going to be my focus on these games going forward. I'm. Obviously, I want us to win, but I'm really going to be looking at those pieces that I'm going to kind of grow with in the next year and beyond.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely, Aziz Ojolari, like you said, you know, he's been more special this year than I expected him to be in year one. Um, He's really, really young. He's very light, um, and he's already taken the Giants' franchise record for sacks for a rookie. I'm going to throw Xavier McKinney in there. Uh, he's not a rookie, but definitely a young piece that's continuing to grow and is very important on this team. Uh, it's good to see him get into a stride. Most of the guys I'm looking at are going to be on defense, and I'm really impressed with what Patrick Graham has done this year with guys like Aaron Robinson to me was a guy I really liked coming on the draft, and I saw him mainly as an inside corner. And one of the things I said is, when we drafted him is don't expect him to do anything on the outside. He's not going to play opposite Bradbury. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And lo and behold, he's forced in this situation now. But not before Rodarius Williams, a sixth round pick that I had like little to no expectations for was earning starting reps and not not embarrassing himself at all. And I mean earning starting reps to start the season. He was getting some reps. So I mean, that's really incredible. But guys like Aaron Robinson are going to be critical for how this organization is too because they have, you know, I think this draft, they've went ahead and they've started to really address things in the proper way. I know immediately people's like blood vessels all popped in their eyes because they ignored the offensive line and don't think that i i, I missed that but what i'm saying is they realize now where their talent currently is and will expire soon and they're they replenished through the draft pretty well you know they knew wide receiver was going to fall apart because they had to sign Kadarius tony but sterling shepherd is not going to be around for much longer so they went ahead and got a shifty slot guy you know Stuff like that. They, they went ahead and got Rodarius Williams because they know James Bradbury is on this big contract. He can't be here for, forever. It,
1: and, it, it's a weird thing that they did is like they kind of had succession plans in place for the areas of strength on this team but didn't really address the gaping holes.
0: Right, but I think I think some of the plan – again, I think some of the plan was – I think at – I think trading for Bredesen was something they wanted to do kind of anyway I think they were opening to they were open to the idea of moving future draft picks that they had collected for offensive linemen I think that that was something they wanted to do the problem was they had to end up doing that immediately for starters because Shane Lemieux was hurt in I think in the spring but definitely the early summer and was just pretty much on the side until the season started I think he went one series and then was placed on IR and Nick Gates, you know what I mean? Like it all fell apart. I think they, what they were trying to do honestly though, was to trade down in this raft and then they trade future picks for guys to have this year and they were going to develop them, but then kind of couldn't. And also not for nothing, Ben Bredesen, I think broke his hand or something in like week two.
1: That's an interesting theory because let's think about it. Dave gentlemen what is his shelf life? Let's say the giants are like a, an eight and 18 this year. I mean, do we really think Dave Gettelin going to be around for two, three, four more years, even with his age, his health, you know, the, the, the kind of the cross wins against him? So it's interesting that he was making moves, thinking further and further out, like, you know, getting draft capital for next year where, you know, there was a pretty good chance before this season started. He may not be the one even making those picks.
0: No, I think I think he did that because that's how you that is how good teams draft. You draft.
1: And I'm giving like, him credit for that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean I – yeah, I guess it's interesting but I think it was always kind of that thing. Whenever he was hired, he knew he wasn't going to be working as a GM anywhere for more than five years. You know what I mean? So if he took the job, he just knew he was going to do it the way he was going to do it, period. So I I mean it's interesting in the fact that it came at his own – You know, it it didn't in any way benefit him. At the beginning of this year, I think he kind of knew this was his last year. I'm sure there was some private discussion that outlined that. Um but I think he just did what he thinks is a good job. Yeah. Um, but, so I mentioned Patrick Graham and the way he was able to develop really, really, really young talent. Um, what do we think about his future with this team?
1: I want to throw something out there for you, Grump, and you know, a little out-of-the-box thought. You know, We're all assuming a couple of things, right? We're assuming that a Dave Gettleman will not be back next year, right? We're all assuming that... In the near future, Patrick Graham is going to be probably an NFL head coach at some point, right? We're kind of – the fan base is kind of 50-50 on the state of Joe Judge going forward. If all these things are true and a new GM comes in, what do you think the odds are that if if Joe Judge gets launched either this offseason or the next offseason, they promote Patrick Graham and just give him the reins to be the head coach?
0: So I'm actually gonna just like put this out there. Has that ever been done? Has that has anyone ever been fired as head coach and someone that he brought in gets promoted to his spot at head coach? I, I don't know if that's ever happened or not. But
1: uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure there's been interim coaches where somebody gets fired, yeah, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, the the acting head coach comes in and they win two or three games in December and they decide to promote him to full-time coach. It's happened. It's happened on the, uh, in the college ranks before. I, I can't give you a specific example, but you know, if the strength of this team is the defense and the giant organization likes to promote, you know, uh, continuality, you know, and promoting from within. And if, and if Patrick Graham is going to be a potential hot shot new hire down the road anyway. I just thought it's just something interesting that could be a possibility that nobody's thinking about.
0: Well, the other thing is, what if he just doesn't want to be in this organization anymore? Because he canceled head coach interviews last offseason. Um, I'm assuming a Brinks truck was at his driveway when he went to go to the airport for that interview or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what's his... I mean, Joe Judge's future is now incredibly murky, Daniel Jones's future is now murky. What's his incentive to stay here as head coach? I mean, it, there, I'm sure he'll get head coaching offers he, somewhere. I mean, people were talking about Mike Zimmer being his, gone. His job,
1: his job would be a little easier because he knows the personnel of half his team hmm. pretty intimately. So, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, and he might promote within his coaching tree of like, you know, his, some of his assistants, maybe. Um, this all kind of goes to my point of having this new GM and I know a lot of people are like, oh, when you hire a new GM, you should hire a new coach at the exact same time so you're on the same page. I'm not necessarily in agreement with that 100%. To me, a new GM should come in and really do an evaluation of everything that you have. And it's not just an evaluation on tape. It's an evaluation of how you work with somebody. You know, Joe Judge has been disappointing you know this 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 team is a mess. He's made mistakes with clock management. He's made let's but he's also a young coach. Um, if I'm a new GM coming in here, I necessarily don't want to unless I have somebody already in mind, a hand, a handshake deal already made with somebody. Like okay, when I take over, you're coming with me. This my mind's made up. But if that isn't necessarily the case, is it really smart just to? hire a new coach is just being in sync with your guy so much of a benefit as opposed to evaluating what you currently have because Joe Judge is still a relative unknown of what kind of coach he is what, what is your thoughts on this whole GM and coach must be in sync
0: that's pretty loaded there's a bunch of stuff in there so I'm going to do my best to kind of yeah unload. Back, peel back this onion here so first thing is evaluating Joe Judge as a coach to me gets harder and harder and harder uh, as as this story unfolds um the story of the 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 giants and under joe judge you know i love certain things about him i like that he's a ceo head coach and what we seem to be learning over time is that he really is a ceo head coach i mean there is a pretty drastic difference between what freddie kitchens calls on patching passing plays and what Jason Garrett called I mean now we have two games now one with a backup quarterback um, as and technically three games if you want to count the game last year that he, he moved in for play calling duties for Jason Garrett when he had COVID we have enough evidence now to show that that Joe Judge signed off on three separate game plans that Jason Garrett wasn't a part of where we started running receivers down at different levels down the field you know we're stretching the field more we're dropping back more we're trusting our O-line a little bit more I mean it seems to me he's like a little bit more hands-off than I thought at first. I mean, it really seems like he's just trusting whoever is the offensive coordinator, which I guess is a good thing now that we know that it is assumed that Jason Garrett was pushed on him by Mara. I mean, it was all but reported. I mean, right. so, I mean, if he brings in his own offensive coordinator – and let, lets him do what he trusts him to do. The same way we assume he did with Patrick Graham, right? I don't think he's very involved with the defense. I think Patrick Graham runs his defensive game plan by him and he either okays it or doesn't. Um, or maybe they just work up the general philosophy together and he lets him handle the specifics. I like that about him. I think that's a good thing. I think guys that meddle too much are not my favorite thing. I don't like that, that Ben Mcatoo had a play sheet and had his face hidden the whole time. On the flip side, the only thing I can really evaluate Joe Judge on now at this point is his in-game work, which has been a consistent track record of garbage. I mean, it's bad. It's not good. We haven't seen his time management work the way he describes or in his favor ever. They've won games Yes, but I mean they're always coming down to the defense making stops on the offense's behalf because the time management is all screwed up. They never score points to come back and win games because of their time management. They almost lose games when they do win them and they do lose games because of the time management.
1: But do you give him sort of a pass because he's still a relatively new coach in that? Do you – No. No? because
0: okay. he, No, because he's very stubborn about it. OK. Uh, I think – In some regards, he's learned from his mistakes on different things. But I don't think that. I think his his clock management has been pretty consistently bad. And just silly mistakes. Silly bullshit. Like we saw last week. I know, again, weird game because you have a backup quarterback in there. But letting the play clock run out at the end of the first quarter and only realizing – like it it was close enough where you couldn't tell that one was ahead of the other – just err on the side of the fact that you're not going to get it the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Why why put a timeout in the balance of you just making that decision? You know what I mean? That's really, really short-sighted and underly cautious for me. That's just weird. Um, I just don't know about Judge in general. However, moving into more your question about the GM and stuff, I don't agree that it's 100% of the time they have to be hired at the same time. And there's a very, very, very simple explanation for that. Your pool of guys. How often is there going to be a slam dunk GM and a slam dunk head coach available at the same time and on the same philosophical page? It sounds to me if that's your 100% every time your approach to hiring things and changing things around in your organization, you're settling for one of the two because you're not getting an A plus at both. How is that available? How is it that there is a prime GM unless, candidate available? Unless,
1: unless there is some sort of like handshake deals beforehand that are made. Exactly. Like, you know, I'm going to pull this. I I am looking at a hypothetical. You know, uh, I made a deal with Nick Saban, and if I become the GM of the Giants, I'm going to pull Nick Saban out of the college ranks. And he's coming right. with something like that. But those are very rare, very few and far between.
0: That's not really my point so much as it's just – that should yeah. never be your blanket statement thing because part of the reason why I think that the, the Giants did so poorly in 2018 and 2019, aside from the fact that the roster is bad, I think the coaching pool was shitty. They wound up with Patrick. There was nobody exciting to choose from. We, were, well, we did that podcast.
1: Ben McAdoo in hindsight seemed like it was a hire by troll almost. It's like, well, we don't want Philly to get him. We're nervous about Philly. We're just going to hire him so you can't get him that's right? it, it kind of seemed like it. I think it would have been you know a different situation with a different team in a different division that may we might have just let him go
0: I think that Ben McAdoo was the product of listening to the wrong people in the organization Jerry Reese was very much a the future of the game the future of the game the future of the game and it showed in his drafting and its free agent acquisitions and Tom Coughlin was not that he was you know the antithesis of that and I think that the Maras made decisions following Jerry Reese's uh, business model, which I don't necessarily disagree with entirely. But, I mean, he just did a poor job of assembling a roster. And Ben McAdoo was really brought in as the future of the game. I think that maybe he was promoted sooner than they wanted because of pressure from Philadelphia and the fact that they might lose out on him. But I think that that was always the case, and I think it was just listening to Jerry Reese and, and and people in that company, Mark Ross, you know, people like that that were just very much like West Coast offense: get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast. You know, um, don't worry about the running game as much. The screen game is an extension of that. I think that was just listening to the wrong people. I don't think it was necessarily just the flashy name or just keep them away from Philly. I think it was a combo of things.
1: Yeah, that's um, fair. That's
0: fair. Yeah, I think you bring in a GM that is open to the idea of keeping Judge. hes I don't want to pick a guy that, you know, I don't want my pool of GMs that I'm choosing from to be the guys that are definitely going to stick with him. Nor do I want to alienate guys that are open to that. I mean, th- there's some things about Judge I do like as a head coach. And I think that if he has a better roster, the time management thing gets cleaned up a little bit. You know, I, I don't know. I don't love him, but I, I'm not ready to just just kick him to the curb like he's absolute total dog shit. I, I you know, there's things about him. He, he brought us Patrick Graham. I mean, really, I, I, I like I, the way I, he teaches. I don't,
1: I don't think the first move of a new GM is going to be to launch him. I think a lot of people think that might be the case, but I don't. Yeah, think I don't think. Stands. I I
0: actually think that he's staying. I I, I, I think he is too. Would.
1: I I I I think that the Giants like him. I think they like. They just like him. They like his organization. They like him, to your point, that he's a CEO uh, head coach. Um, I think they're going to bet on the fact that as he gets more game reps as a head coach, some of the clock management things will go away. Maybe they hire – as the CEO hires a vice president of clock management and timeout management or something.
0: That would be pathetic. If we were the organization that had a timeout guy.
1: Maybe we should though. I mean – I just mean, at the
0: end of the day, you really could. At the end of the day, you could you could take a guy that you think you're gonna lose, right? Like, I, I don't know. Let's say, um, DB's coach. You're like, ah, he's he's the hot name. He's gonna be gone after this year. Make him assistant coach, assistant head coach. You know, the same way Judge was, right? He was the special teams coordinator and assistant head coach. You make him assistant head coach, and it's like, also handle the clock for me, will you, please? Yeah.
1: That's a simple. That's a simple CEO move of delegation of authority to you know. You have a staff.
0: It's also you know, pathetic. I, I mean, I have to say.
1: But you know something though, maybe just because you know the the way this is the way the game's always been played or always been coached, that doesn't mean does it evolve into something that's more? That's a good point. You know, uh, makes more sense. Yeah, just <laughs> so, rudimentary.
0: Just like hire yeah. a guy for it, whatever. Yeah. All right. Let's let's. Can the, the future talk for a little bit and let's end this with a prediction of the Giants game and then we got to do Washington and Dallas.
1: Well, I know on Sunday I will be at Barclays Center watching uh, Florida basketball play Maryland. Hopefully they won't disgrace themselves and lose another winless team. But I obviously will have you know – I'll have the phone on watching the game at the same time until I realize what the hell am I watching this for again and turn it off but – I will give it a fighting shot. Every Sunday is different. I come in with hope that we will win a football game. We're not winning a football game. I don't think this offense has potential to be historically putrid. Uh, Two field goals would be very impressive for me. We are going to lose this game 27-3.
0: I have two scores for this one because there's just so much gray area with who's even playing. And that's what sucks about doing this on Thursday. But
1: OK, so let me, let me then parse that then by ahead, saying go I'm, I'm going with the fact that Jake Fromm is playing.
0: That yeah. seems
1: the most realistic thing and that's what I'm going to stick with that. Uh, um, I, th- I think San Diego – San Diego. The Chargers score also because of the ineptitude of the offense. Either some turnovers, bad field position –
0: Fumbles. Fact, offense, I, I could see uh, a sack uh, fumble coming uh, on. Offense
1: can't stay on the field. The defense wears down. Things like that. So to me, that's where I'm getting that score from. Complete ineptitude and uh, it, it, it gets out of control either really quickly or over the course of four quarters.
0: So, you know, I have two scores for this and I broke it down to one is if everything goes right with who's playing the game for the Giants and one is if everything goes wrong so if everything goes right and there's no Chris Harris Jr. no Asante Samuel Jr. there's no Keenan Allen or Mike Williams I have the Giants losing this game 24-17 to with a garbage time touchdown to make it sound closer than it actually is I do think though that they'll move the ball a little bit I mean getting guys like Kenny Galladay back is huge getting Sterling Shepard back is going to be massive for this game if he's if he's you know doing well um there are reasons to think that they'll move the ball and I think that they will score a touchdown I just don't think it's going to look very pretty now if everything goes wrong this might be 33 to 13 I mean and that might be generous like you're I, being, I mean
1: you're being very generous with the uh them scoring touchdowns
0: yeah but I, you're you're discounting things like garbage time you know what I mean there's just some things where it's just like you know what just let them do their thing don't get hurt there's only two minutes left in the game they're definitely not going to win. And that influences things, awesome. which means that I'm really talking about a 33 to six game. So, um, Jake Fromm is not going to be able to throw much. I mean, if he has to play, he won't have more than 12 attempts. I, I mean, and not necessarily even that they're not calling them. I mean, they're not going to get first downs. He's not going to get them any tries. That's so, true too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many plays. Like, let's take a prediction. How many offensive plays will the Giants have on Sunday?
0: If Fromm is quarterbacking? Yes. I don't don't want – God.
1: 45?
0: I was going to say 33. Oh, my Lord. No, you really have to – I mean the other side of it is that Los Angeles likes to run the ball. I mean we just may not have that much time. That'd be
1: amazing. Um, if so, that's something we will definitely monitor for next week to see how many
0: offenses. No, I don't want. I will check it after. I'm gonna monitor, like I said, I was gonna monitor. I'm gonna look at this game and how they're actually game planning. Because to me, a little bit of this, what are we watching for? I'm watching to see how smart our, our game planning is. On top of yeah. that, um, but I'm I'm also watching those young guys. I'm focusing it on on individual stuff. I'll check the bullshit like that later. Yeah, uh, but I'll 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 make a note to check that. But yeah. In the meantime, while you're watching this game, you can follow us on Twitter for in-game updates, complaints, etc. I'm at football underscore grump as uh, over here, and uh, he is at the cranky fan on Twitter. This show is at just giants pod on Twitter, and of course, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., as well as YouTube. So be sure to follow us everywhere. Um, any closing remarks?
1: Hey, we have our health grump, and uh, I had my booster yesterday. Like I said, I felt like garbage for 24 hours. Don't let that scare you off. Don't Just because you hear your friends got the booster and felt crappy for 24 hours, I felt crappy, but now I'm feeling a lot better. So get your booster shot. This may I, be a uh... long, long winter. I don't want to go through sitting in this stupid apartment any longer than I have to. So just uh, deal with the inconvenience of a day. You'll feel better. Trust me, and you'll be a lot safer.
0: I have mine scheduled for Saturday, so I'm in for a rough Sunday no matter what. (laughs) Um, All right, everyone. We will see you on Tuesday morning for a review episode. Go Giants! Go Giants!